Welcome to Bible Believers Fellowship and the ministry of BBFOhio.com. I'm Pastor Greg and I welcome you to our study titled, The Pope is Antichrist. We are revisiting this message originally taught nearly 10 years ago with some needed updated information. And the conclusion of this two-part study can be found at bbfohio.com. You'll also find our contact and donation information there at that website, again, bbfohio.com. And now we begin our study, The Pope is Antichrist. This is part one of two. All right. Our study tonight is titled, The Pope is Antichrist. And this is a bit of a repeat. I was explaining to Brother Mike a little while ago. We taught on this about 10 years ago. A lot's changed since then. But uh, for that reason, we're not going to do the regular uh, thing because our entire study is a current events update. So for that reason, we'll get right into the study. Makes you think maybe the prince and power of the air don't like what I'm going to preach tonight. <laughs> well, um, just want to start, uh, I want to make a couple comments. Number one, I just want to make it clear that we believe in preaching the truth. But this has nothing to do with hatred. Uh, we love, it's going to sound funny saying this, but I loved John Paul II. I prayed for that man. The fact he died and entrusted his soul to Mary was a sad thing. Um, I, I love Francis. I'd love to see Francis get saved. There were some people who were evangelical Christians who were friends of his. And uh, so I hoped that maybe they'd reach him. That's back actually before he was Pope. Uh, we love uh, Roman Catholics. How many of you here were raised or were former Roman Catholics? Several of you. Uh, we love your Roman Catholic family that's still not saved. We pray for them. This is all just about the truth of the matter when it comes to the Antichrist. Here's a similar thing. Uh, I believe that the final pope is the Antichrist. But I believe he will be of a Jewish DNA. And so you'll hear people say, well, you think a Jew is going to be Antichrist? That's anti-Semitic. No, it's not. It's no more anti-Semitic than saying Judas Iscariot was a Jew. But so was Jesus Christ and the apostles. <laughs> you got a Bible there? It's a Jewish book. <laughs> and so uh, people just extrapolate nonsense out of things you say. Nothing I say tonight should be misconstrued in that way. It's just simply what is the truth. So turn over to Revelation 17 is where we're going to start. And we did 20 hours of study year, a few years ago. Through, well, we did 200 studies through the book of Revelation. And we did 20 hours on Revelation 17 and 18. And it was to go ver, uh, verse by verse and line upon line and be careful to make our case. Because uh, a lot of people have fallen away from what used to be believed by Christians. But in uh, Revelation 17, verses 7 through 13, uh, I want to go ahead and read a couple of verses before we get into that. Verse 5 and 6 says, And upon her forehead was a name written, 
mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. Verse 6 says, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Um, the Roman Catholic Church represents itself as the queen, uh, as, not as the, although they do claim to be the Church of Jesus Christ. You'll see Mary, and it's a false Mary, by the way. You'll see the Queen of Heaven more than you'll see Jesus, represented by a woman. And if you read uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs and the Martyr's Mirror, which is a book about this thick put out by the Anabaptists, you'll see that for all of the history of the Roman Catholic Church, even now in countries where the Roman Catholic Church is in control, there is severe persecution of Bible-believing Christians. And it says, uh, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus in describing this woman. So we want to then pick up with verse 7. Let's go ahead and read through 13. Read the odd verses with me. So jump right in verse 7. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition, and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Amen? Now, of course, keep reading. It's an amazing text, but for the purposes of our study, I want to stop there. Now, I just want you to notice there in verse 9, the seven heads are seven mountains. Uh, Rome is known as the city on seven hills, seven mountains. Uh, we believe, I believe, that this is referring to Rome and that the Roman Catholic Church is being spoken of here in this text. Now, at one time, uh, nearly all Christians agreed with the title of this study. You could go into almost any evangelical, fundamental, Bible-believing church, and if you stood up and said, I believe the Pope is Antichrist, They'd be, you'd be preaching to the choir, literally. Now, what's happened? Well, I want to give you a couple of things first. This is John Knox, one of the great Christians of the past, and he refers to the Pope and says, quote, The very Antichrist and son of perdition of whom Paul speaks. End quote. That was typical of Bible-believing preachers. He lived between 1514 and 1572. Thomas Cranmer, who lived between 1489 and 1556, he says, quote, Whereof it followeth Rome to be the seat of Antichrist, and the Pope to be very Antichrist himself. 
I could prove the same by many other scriptures, old writers, and strong reasons. Now, for sake of time, I, I can't, uh, I'm not going to go through that, but I'm telling you, for the previous 14th century, or about actually started in the 4th century. So for a thousand years before these fellas, you won't find a lot of writings about the Pope from those who believed he was Antichrist. But there's ample evidence that he, he was believed to be the Antichrist by those of our faith. Why don't you find the writings? Because in that 1,000 year period, the Pope killed everybody and burned their writings. So you hear people make a big deal about the fact that there's not a lot of writings between 4th century and uh, 1400. It's because they were being slaughtered, their homes and churches burned. If you had a Bible like the one you're holding now, they would tie it around your neck and burn you and your Bible at the same time. So keep that in mind when you hear those kind of arguments. This is from the 1689 London Baptist Confession. Quote, which by the way was printed originally in 1689. <laughs> Quote, of the church neither can be the uh, Pope of Rome in any sense be head thereof, but is that Antichrist, that man of sin and son of perdition that exalteth himself in the church against Christ and all that is called God, whom the Lord shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, end quote. Every Baptist church that you see today that's been around for any length of time, they once believed that. And they have abandoned that for the most part. Name whatever Baptist church you're in. If it's not an independent fundamental Baptist, and if it's not a very conservative Southern Baptist, then you probably will not find that anywhere in their statement of faith anymore. Cotton Mather, who lived between 1663 and 1728. Cotton Mather, who lived between 1663 and 1728. Quote, the oracles of God foretold the rising of an Antichrist in the Christian church. And in the Pope of Rome, all the characteristics of that Antichrist are so marvelously answered that if any who read the scriptures do not see it, there is a marvelous blindness upon them, end quote. Folks, that describes the majority of professing Christians today. That's a, that's a sad thing, but it's true. Now, here's one reason why in our, la our times, and we'd say this really started in earnest in the 60s with the charismatic renewal, where evangelical Pentecostal charismatics joined with Roman Catholics in what they called the charismatic renewal, where they all believed they were speaking in tongues and all that together. And they, they said, oh, the Spirit has brought us together and we're one. And the ecumenical movement was started in earnest and all that. Well, that's when the new Bible version started to proliferate in the 60s. Well, what do you see in your new Bibles? Well, look at your Bible, if you still have it open there, in Revelation 17. And we'll compare it to just one, for time's sake. It's pretty representative of the NIV. Your King James Version says, The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth, and there are seven kings. That's very clear. The NIV says, this calls for a mind with wisdom. That's pretty ironic. 
The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. They are also seven kings. You see that? It went from, and there are seven kings, to making the mountains, instead of the seven hills of Rome, they are the seven kings. See? So now they're like, well, you can't say those seven mountains are Rome because they're actually referring to the seven kings. Not in my Bible. <laughs> See how those subtle little Luciferian changes, that's how Satan has always worked. Go back and read in Genesis 3. He didn't get rid of everything. He just made those subtle little, started with the question, hath God said? I like it. He said it. I think he sounded like this. Hath God said? <laughs> Now, just in case you're wondering, the city on seven hills, there, there are seven hills named. So this is all, you'll find this. I have a copy of the Catholic Encyclopedia at my home. And it's right in there in their own encyclopedia. That the seven hills refers to the seven hills of Rome. And those seven hills are the Aventine Hill, the Celian Hill, the Capitoline Hill, the Esquiline Hill, the Palatine Hill, the Quirinal Hill, and the Viminal Hill, and I probably butchered half of those. But those are the hills. And so it's not a really a debate. I've had people, well, that's crazy because Cincinnati's on seven hills. I'm like, yeah, obviously John the Apostle was talking about Cincinnati. You know. There is a little common sense here that when he's talking, when the Bible speaks of cities and places and identify them, they, they fit in the context. So, new versions are prepping Laodicea for Antichrist. I'll tell you right now, if you're, if you're a reader, you should be if you're not, and you ought to read New Age Versions by Gail Ripplinger, and you ought to read A Woman Rides the Beast by Dave Hunt. It'll take you a long time because, uh, especially the A Woman Rides the Beast, I read 10 pages a day. Because it's so thick and so disgusting what you read in there. The truth, it's documented. That I just read 10 pages and put it down and I made it through. I don't know how, how much time it took me. There's also a documentary I think is in our uh, library here um, that gives a synopsis of what's in that book. But sticking to the King James Bible, we see the truth. Amen? All popes are antichrist, and the final pope will be the antichrist. Do you understand that? I'm saying the pope is antichrist. I didn't say the or an in the title, because I believe Francis is an antichrist. And we'll see a couple of examples. His words are antichrist. His, the things he says, they're antichrist. But I don't believe he's going to be the antichrist, the final pope. And that's important to remember. Uh, a J.A. Wiley is a historian. He wrote about the Waldensian uh, uh, persecution by Rome. And he said, quote, The same line of proof which establishes that Christ is the promised Messiah, conversely applied, establishes that the Roman system is the predicted apostasy. In other words, as you read the Messianic prophecies where it said that uh, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and the Messiah would be born of a virgin. He'd be the seed of David, or actually go from Adam through uh, Shem, through uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, David, and on. That's all laid out for you in the Matthew chapter 1. His, his lineage through Joseph. And then Luke 3 tells you how it runs through Mary. 
And I don't want to get into that. There's some very interesting stuff in those genealogies, though. But just the same way, you just look at what it says and you look at what happened and you put the two together and they fit like a glove. Well, that's exactly what happens. You look at the Bible says about Antichrist and the whore of Babylon, which is the woman riding the beast. It's clear that it's the Roman Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic system, and the Pope is the beast. That's what he's saying. He's basing that on what he read in hundreds of years of Anabaptist and nonconformist writings and sermons. Quote, in the life of Christ, we behold the converse of what Antichrist must be. And in the prophecy of the Antichrist, we are shown the converse of what Christ must be and was. And listen, and when we place the papacy between the two and compare it with each, we find on the one hand that it is the perfect converse of Christ as seen in his life. And on the other hand, that it is the perfect image of the Antichrist as shown in the prophecy of him. We conclude, therefore, that if Jesus of Nazareth be the Christ, the Roman papacy is the Antichrist, end quote. And just look at it. Jesus wouldn't have walked around with the big hats and the big robes and the big staff and all the bling that he puts on, millions of dollars and gold and diamonds and everything. Sometimes they actually wear a crown that's supposed to be worth millions of dollars. Jesus said, I don't, I don't have a place to lay my head. Amen. You know, those word faith guys, you know, they pervert the Bible too. And they get up there and say, oh, Jesus wore designer suits. <laughs> yeah, that, he didn't. <laughs> they didn't have those back then. But in, I guess they, they had designer robes, but he didn't wear designer robes either. Look at 1 John chapter 2. Just a few pages to your left there in your Bible. 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 23. Verse 18 says, Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists. There's been 266 of them in the Roman church. That's how many popes there's been. Whereby we know that it is the last time. You say, well, that was almost 2,000 years ago. Well, in God's reckoning, it's been two days. Look what it says in verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. Go ahead and read that with me, verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And uh, that has application to a num number of other things. But we continue, verse 20. But ye have an, uh, an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Read 21. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Now watch this carefully. Verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Read 23. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledged the Son hath the Father also. Now, you, you, you'll read sometimes where it will appear that these popes 
do acknowledge Jesus as Messiah and the Son of God. But then you realize that they, in other places, deny him, and in other places they actually contradict him. And they've been, for example, uh, read what they say about Mary. They undermine Jesus' place as mediator by making her a mediator. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. They throw Mary in there. They also take Jesus and, and, and do away with uh, his deity by making him subject to Mary. If you read their literature, I've told you about the one uh, thing that I saw where they teach their young people, and they have Jesus on the cross and blood pouring out of his side and that blood is being dispensed to sinners through the hand of Mary. The blood comes into Mary's hands and then springs out to the world. And that's how they deny Christ. And we'll come to uh, more in just a second. So in your text there it says, um, Who is a liar? But, uh, wait a minute, that's not the, uh, the verse I'm looking at. I think I meant to quote uh, verse 24. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? Now, uh, the Roman cult, as I said, doesn't blatantly deny Christ, but they invent a false Jesus that they, this is the, the layer I didn't mention yet, they believe they eat Jesus. When we have communion, we believe that we take the bread and the cup in remembrance of Jesus. They believe this thing called transubstantiation. They believe that you actually ingest what supernaturally becomes the flesh and blood of Jesus. I don't want to get into all kinds of detail about that, but there's actually been people through the years. I, I said this, I'm not tooting my horn, but I said this to Catholics over the years. I didn't realize that way back, especially during the time of Reformation, there were people who made this same argument, and that is, that means you excrement Jesus. If you eat him, you digest him, and he goes into the toilet. It's just blasphemy. And it's not what Jesus taught. And it's a different Jesus. It's a false Jesus. If you add up all the things that the Roman Catholic Church teach about Jesus that go against the Scripture, you come to a false Jesus. So, uh, the Vatican denies the biblical Jesus and promotes a false Jesus of their own creation in reality. By the way, their Jesus doesn't save. If you ask a Roman Catholic priest, ask him, do you believe that the death of Christ is shed blood on the cross, paid for all sin, and that by faith in that sacrifice I can be saved? Absolutely not. Basically, they believe that he gave you a clean slate. Now, if you keep all the sacraments and die in grace, then you go to purgatory for an unknown amount of time and burn in purgatory until you pay for your own sins and go to heaven. I'm sorry, but that's a false religion, a false gospel, and a false Jesus. Now, it says many antichrists, as kind of I mentioned this a moment ago, there have been 266, and the final pope will be the antichrist. Now, just an example of how the previous antichrist, before the antichrist, they're laying the groundwork for the antichrist who will come. So Francis is an antichrist laying the uh, groundwork for the antichrist. This is from the Daily Mail over in UK. Leaders, including Pope Francis and the Archbishop of Canterbury, denounce anti-gay laws in unprecedented airborne news conference. 
they joined together. The Archbishop of Canada, he's an apostate. He's not a Bible-believing Christian. The Pope and the head of one of the apostate Presbyterian denominations, they all got up, hand hands, held hands together, and uh, basically were putting on a uh, display of being Lot's wife. When Jesus said, remember Lot's wife, he wasn't talking about the fact she was a wife or a female. He's talking about the fact that she was in love with Sodom. And that's what those men were doing. Well, go back and watch our study on the Antichrist. And it's called uh, a vile person. And I believe the Bible is clear. The Antichrist will be a sodomite. So it only makes sense that his forerunners are going to try to get rid of the stigma. Yeah. <laughs> so that, the Bible predicts that. Even though there's a lot of people who don't believe what they read in the Bible, that's what the Bible teaches and the Bible predicts that. So Francis is an Antichrist working to establish global government in preparation for the Antichrist, the Pope. Again, Pope Francis calls for end of sovereignty and establishment of global government. Surprise? Uh, he kind of looks like Gomer, by the way. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Don't you think he kind of looks like Gomer, Paul? Um, but he, what do you expect? Wait, I, I'm not shocked by this. A lot of people are really shocked. I believe we're in the end times. I believe the Antichrist, uh, or the final pope will be the Antichrist. All those preceding him are just laying the groundwork. So that's exactly what the Bible predicts. <laughs> it's an amazing book, isn't it? If you believe it, it's an amazing book in, in practical terms. The case for the pope as Antichrist has been made by Catholics and Protestants, by the way. Arnulf... Uh, Roman Catholic Bishop of Orleans, France, Arnulf, quote, deplored the Roman popes as monsters of guilt and declared in a council called by the King of France.